Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Kyrie Irving and the Nets go to Boston and come up just a little bit short. Kyrie was absolutely masterful offensively, but on the other end, not so much. And certainly had more than his share of fun with the Boston crowd. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. In for Greeny today, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. And the Celtics take game one with all the game ones over the weekend in the NBA playoffs. And not all that surprising that they would win game one, but it was surprising down the stretch of that game. They blew a 15-point lead. We know how good the Nets are offensively, Chris, but... To me, the Celtics absolutely had to have that game when you had so many things go your way. Played great defense, yes. You get 40 from Al Horford, Al Horford and Marcus Smart, you better win the game. Oh, no doubt about it. But, Carlin, even beyond that, just knowing how everything went down last year in the postseason, when you got bounced by the Brooklyn Nets in, what, five games? Yeah, the chip better be on your shoulder. From a confidence standpoint, you needed to get that game under your belt because you had a 15-point lead in the third quarter to blow that in the second half when you've largely outplayed the Brooklyn Nets for the majority of the game. From a a psychological standpoint, I, I don't know how the Celtics would be able to bounce back from that. So thank goodness for the late game heroics from Jalen Brown and from Marcus Smart being able to make winning plays. But ultimately, that was one that the Boston Celtics had to have because you couldn't ask for them to be more effective on the defensive end against Kevin Durant. And for him to have the kind of day that he had offensively, you got to be able to capitalize on it. And they absolutely did with being able to win game one. It was probably closer for comfort than Ime Adoka would have liked. But ultimately, a win is a win. And now you can look forward to game two and your guys know that they can get the job done if they execute the game plan against this Brooklyn Nets team. Look. For Adoka and and the Celtics, I 100% agree. I do think that they are going to be in a little bit of trouble if all of a sudden these games get officiated a little bit tighter. Mm. Because as physical as they were with Durant yesterday, I can't imagine that's going to happen in every game in this series. And and frankly, I'm shocked and, and a little bit annoyed that Steve Nash didn't make a bigger issue of it post-game yesterday because even if you go as far enough in, in criticizing the officiating to get a fine, it's worth it if you start to get the whistle for your guy. And he, he didn't get many of them yesterday, that's for sure. No, he didn't get a whole lot of whistles for his guy, Kevin Durant. But I'll say this, Colin. I thought the officiating, especially in the first half, was relatively even. You're talking about 15 fouls for both teams going into halftime. And so I don't know that the officials were, you know, super lenient. I just – that's typical of playoff games. Officials are sometimes going to swallow their whistle. They're going to let the games be decided by the players on the court and not the calls. And but as when a it's a superstar NBA, player, I don't think it's going to necessarily happen down the stretch of the game. But when it's the superstar like Kevin Durant, fans want to see Kevin Durant, and the officials know that. Like, they no, want to see him get his opportunities to score. I, I understand that, Colin, but I think we got to give more credit to the Boston Celtics defense. In pick-and-roll situations, they were trapping and blitzing Kevin Durant and getting the ball out of his hand. So while we talk about how the game was officiated, we also got to acknowledge the X's and O's, and 
Ime Adoka did a great job of that. He did a great job of making it uncomfortable for Kevin Durant, not allowing him to get the ball in his spots with some space. And then the guys that were the primary defenders, whether it was Jason Tatum or Al Horford or Grant Williams, all of those guys did great jobs of staying in front of Kevin Durant. And with a score like that, that's the most important thing. Just stay in front of the guy. Don't allow him to get to his spots. And they did a good job of shutting that off. Now, on the other side of that, they allowed Kyrie Irving to be more of an X factor offensively, but you know ultimately that didn't end up being enough for them. I will say this though, Kyrie in the second half, after he decided he wanted to flip the fans off, the Brooklyn Nets went on a twenty three eleven run, and he was he scored thirteen points and had two assists during that span. So Kyrie Irving was masterful for the Brooklyn Nets, and they absolutely needed him to be based on the job that Boston was doing on KD. Here's Carlin and Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on ESPN Plus, not to mention your smart, smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio. So let's hear from Kyrie with ESPN's Nick Friedle after the game on the situation with the Boston fans. From a basketball standpoint, yeah. do you feel like the hostility you get? There's no hostility, bro. It's basketball. When you were flicking some people off, I'd say that's some hostility. From what? What, what point? Are you guessing that that's hostility or like well, hostility for me is like growing up. We've never seen that from you this season where you are running down the floor flicking people off. This is the first time you actually caught it because it's a big time game. I respond in different ways. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to focus on that. If you want to ask me questions about the fans, go ask them. Go on the street and ask them questions. All right? But I'm asking from your perspective, from a basketball perspective, do you feel like the hostility that you get? It's not hostility, fans, bro. Do you feel like the energy you get from fans in this building? Embrace it. Best from you. Embrace it. Embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it. <laughs> he can't even, you know, I, part of me respects the fact that he doesn't even want to acknowledge that the question is even, you know, a, a real question, which it is. Of course it is. If it's not hostility coming from the fans, exactly what is it? Yeah, I, I mean, totally at agree. that point. At that point, it's just semantics, right? Oh, it's not hostility. They, I'm just giving it out the way that they give it to me. It's stupid. Why even engage in that? If he wants to frame it as hostility, then let him frame it however he wants to frame it because it's clear you felt a way about the crowd. So why are you trying to be defensive about something that's so obvious? But, see, that's my problem with Kyrie, Carlin. That, that's the issue that I have with him. It, it's so He's such a walking contradiction. I just don't understand it. Like, you, you can say that it's not, you know, a hostile situation. It's not a hostile relationship between you and the fans in Boston. But you're flipping them off. And you're what? cursing them out when you're walking into the locker room, which we actually have video of and sound of. So, and, and what to, he to, said, to, by the way, try was to, a lot worse than what the fans said going into but, the locker room. But that's my point, though. Let's not try to make it like it's not a situation where he's adversarial toward the Boston fans. Well, because that's exactly what it is. And then he ends the soundbite by saying it's the dark side, embrace it. Well, if it's the dark side, then how the hell is it not hostility? It makes no sense. And so when I hear things like that, it just it, it misses the mark in terms of the level of urgency that Kyrie needs to have and he needs to project as a leader on that team when it comes to trying to handle their business on the court. Well, to your point about being a walking contradiction, here he is more on the back and forth with the fans, keeping in mind what he just said. Look, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just, where I'm from, you know, I'm used to all these antics and people being close nearby. Um, you know, it's nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me. 
and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan. But, um, you know, when people start yelling, and you and all this stuff, it's but so much you can take uh, as a competitor. And, um, you know, we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. Nah, that's the playoffs. This is what it is. You know, I, I've, I know what to expect them here, and it's the same energy I'm giving back to them. Yeah, no, I, I don't buy any of this because it, it, Kyrie is soft here, okay? When you're letting all of this stuff get to you, but then you're going back at it with the fans and you're going off, that's great. You want to call it you're feeding your energy? That's awesome. Um, he's not right for the things that he did, but I get it where that kind of thing can happen. But don't say in one breath, it's no big deal. And then in another breath say, well, I'm feeding off of it. And it it all does everything it can to get me going. What's going to happen if you're not playing all that well? Are you going to have that same energy coming in game two? You know, we had 37 yesterday. It was a lot easier to do that and have that mentality. Well, he better keep that same energy because I'm sure the Boston fans are going to keep it up. The fact that he's responding to everything that they're giving him lets them know that he hears them. And that's the last thing you want to do as a player is to feed that unless your team finds themselves on the winning side of things. And it would be completely different. How this would be received by the media and by fans would be completely different had the Brooklyn Nets won that game yesterday. But they didn't. And so if you're on the losing side of it, the last thing you want to do is add fuel to the fire and embolden the Boston Celtics fans to do things to take you out of your character and to try to take you out of your game. Now, they didn't. It didn't feel like they took him out of his game yesterday because he had 39 points on better than 50% shooting. But who's to say that Kyrie is going to be capable of replicating what we saw from him offensively in game one throughout the course of this series? We don't know that. And beyond that, if they find themselves on the losing end of it, then everybody is going to see through everything that Kyrie Irving is doing. And then they're going to question whether or not Kyrie Irving is the guy that's going to be capable of being that running mate for Kevin Durant on a championship contending team just because of all of the noise that surrounds him. So to me, it's not worth it if you're Kyrie to to continue to try to go back and forth with these fans. The most important thing you can do is something that Kevin Durant says all the time when he doesn't want to answer questions. Just go out there and hoop. That's all you got to say. Just go out there and hoop. Let the focus be about what's going on on the court and not what's going on in the stands. But the fact that Kyrie Irving is joshing back and forth with the fans, it just it just opens the door for more of that behavior from the fans, and he's shown that he's not willing to ignore it. He is smart enough to know that the fans are just going to get worse with it. It's just, embrace it. It's the dark side. Embrace it. Embrace well, I hope it. he's embracing it. Embrace it. Embrace it. He's not at all. Embrace it. It's Chris Garland, Chris Canty, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Soft. Soft is the word I'm going to use when it comes Ooh. to this. Soft. Ooh. No athlete wants to be called soft. No. And and by the way, I'm not the only one. I saw Chuck last night doing the same thing. Charles Barkley doing the exact same thing. Shaq doing the same thing, calling Kyrie soft. Because as they pointed out, you think those guys haven't heard a lot in Boston Garden? <laughs> I think they've heard more than their share. <laughs> Chris Carlin calling Kyrie Irving soft. Wow. Oh, next. Wow. The MVP race. We are down to the finalists in the NBA MVP. But out of the three finalists, was somebody really shafted in this whole deal? We'll talk about it in just moments. Canty and Carlin in for Grinny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. 
For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Smart dribbles inside the arc to Tatum. Layup's good at the horn. Boston wins it. Jason Tatum at the horn. The Celtics take game one. Fantastic call by Mark Kestisher on ESPN Radio yesterday afternoon. Celtics up in the NBA playoffs, but was that guy who finished it off getting hosed a little bit for a major award? Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app, also on SiriusXM Channel 80. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G on America's Best Network. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. Finalists for all the major awards in the NBA have come out, and the NBA Most Valuable Player Award finalists are pretty much who you would expect. Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, and Giannis and Dedekumpo, as you would expect with those big three. But there was talk of this last week, Chris, and certainly the voting is done before a game like yesterday, but look at how the Celtics went from the seventh seed to the two seed this year. All of it, or not all of it, but I would say a good chunk of that has to do with what Jason Tatum has really become in this league. Did Tatum get hosed by not being a finalist for the MVP? No, I don't think he got hosed. When you look at the seasons that those other guys put together, it feels like they had more impact on their team doing winning than Jason Tatum did with his. Now, I'm not minimizing how good Jason Tatum is. I think he's you know, a budding superstar in this league. I mean, he finished fourth in total points scored this season, but – when you look at the efficiency ratings for Nikola Jokic and you look at what Giannis was doing flirting with winning the scoring title and Joel Embiid actually finishing the drill and winning the scoring title, the first big man to do that since Shaq did it a couple of decades ago, then you can understand why those guys finished ahead of Tatum. I'm not minimizing Tatum in terms of the turnaround that we've seen in Boston, but there are other guys in Boston that had a huge part of that. Like Marcus Smart playing the point guard role in Boston was huge in terms of being a distributor for the their offense and for Tatum and Brown in particular. So I think there are more pieces around Jason Tatum to help him realize his potential as opposed to what we saw from Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic for the majority of the season. Tatum didn't get hosed yet. I agree on that. I think in a year or two, he's going to be in that, finalist range and totally understand everything that you're just saying 
we need to start talking about Tatum on an elevated level, and we'll see how that goes in this postseason. When you talk about the Embiid and the Giannis and the Jokic's, you understand why we're talking about MVP, because those teams are nowhere close without those players and what they mean, and completely understood. I do think that Tatum might have gotten a little overshadowed here because of the presence of Jalen Brown and because of everything that you just said, the roles that everybody else played. But if you took Tatum off that team, I, the Celtics aren't sniffing the two seed, and they're, they're, and they're not having anywhere near the kind of regular season that they had. No, they're probably not sniffing the two seed, but I don't think they're a play-in team either. Does that make sense? I, I, yeah, I, I don't know I that I would say six, that. I, I think they're a top six team in the Eastern Conference. I, I think they would be. And so I, I don't – I don't buy again, that. Well, well, that's just – that's your perspective. I yeah. think they'd still be a top top six team in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they're a play-in team. Like, I think they would be markedly better than the teams that we saw in the play-in when you talk about the Atlantas, the Charlottes, the Clevelands of the world. So I, I, I that's – that's kind of how I view them. Uh, I think they're a very solid team. Whereas if you take Embiid off of the Sixers before the James Harden trade, or you remove Nikola Jokic You're off dead. of the Denver Nuggets <laughs> that don't have Jamal Murray, I mean, are you even in the playoffs? Like, those are conversations. Those are, those are legitimate conversations. So I can understand why those three finalists were named and why Jason Tatum was left off of the list. But to your point, Carlin, if Jason Tatum is able to get out of this series against the Brooklyn Nets – and we're talking about the Celtics advancing to the second round, then all of a sudden that conversation starts to happen about Jason Tatum being one of the very best players in the world because he went head-to-head with the guy that a lot of people think is the best player in the world in KD, and he came out on the winning side of it. And, and, you know, with that in mind, they get through this series, he would have to go through the the guys that he's going to go through with Kyrie and with um, KD, and then it could be Giannis. Like, if, if Tatum made that push to get the Celtics to the conference finals this year, which I, I don't think will happen. I still believe the Bucks will be in the finals. I still think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. But if that ever happened, then he will start next year, I would say, as one of the top three betting favorites. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is narrative. So how you end, the last thing that people see is going to influence what people project moving forward. So you're absolutely right. But make no mistake about it, from a talent standpoint, there's nothing that Jason Tatum can't do on a basketball court at a high level. Nothing. No, totally. And, that, and, that, and, I mean, he is a really special talent. Now, he ain't the best player on the floor in this series against the Nets. That belongs to KD. But I certainly think – that it's a toss-up between him and Kyrie in terms of who the second-best player is on the floor. So I think it would go a long ways for Jason Tatum, again, in this series, to find himself on the winning side of it because he's beating one of the best offensive tandems that the NBA has ever seen. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by Supercuts, download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcast. Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Grady on ESPN Radio in just moments. Believe it or not, there are even more wide receivers talking about sitting out all of the voluntary stuff this offseason because of the wide receiver contracts that have been handed out. Will a superstar even get on the field during training camp? It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty on ESPN Radio. 
Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. I'll tell you. It takes a special level of guts, even if it's on social media and you're hoping you're going to get hidden in the comments to say what Robbie Anderson said over the weekend. Chris Garland, Chris Canty for Greeny on ESPN Radio. Try the $45 Silver Unlimited plan from Straight Talk Wireless with Nationwide 5G on America's Best Network. Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. See terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. 5G-capable device required. Actual availability, coverage, and speed may vary. So over the weekend, stories started to come out that the Carolina Panthers were the most likely suitor for Baker Mayfield uh, once he gets out of Cleveland or whether they're going to trade for him or however that's going to end up, whether it's getting the Browns to eat a lot of that salary, however this is going to go down, he could end up in Carolina, to which Robbie Anderson on Instagram responded with the classic, no, with like seven O's on IG. (laughs) Oh, man, it was classic how Robbie reacted, man. And then somebody else picked up his comment, and he said facts when they said that Robbie Anderson didn't want Baker Mayfield in Carolina. So he's not being shy about letting his feelings be known about what he thinks about Baker throwing passes to him in 2022. But, Carlin, I don't think Robbie Anderson is alone in that when it comes to receivers and players around the National Football League. I think that's going to be the biggest issue for the Cleveland Browns in finding a partner to do the dance with in order to move Baker, finding an organization that's willing to look past what their locker room wants or doesn't want in a guy that's brought in to be a leader at the quarterback spot. Like, that's the thing. When, when Baker Mayfield and OBJ had the public spat yeah. at the middle of last year before the trade deadline, that locker room was split when the Cleveland Browns decided to cut bait with OBJ. You heard, you heard grumblings that guys were like, wait a minute, there, there's something to what OBJ and his dad were saying in terms of the criticisms directed toward Baker. And, the- and so for that to come out in the way that it did, it just lets me know that there's more to why Baker Mayfield feels like he's on the outs when it comes to having a starting quarterback job in 2022. Yeah, and Chris, I mean, it's completely fair across the board. Now, as usual with Odell, I don't think he ever has the full full plan in place as far as how to go about things because 
while he may have ended up in other places, the way he does it doesn't help. And given that he was uh, had forced his way out of New York already, in some ways, it appears, you know, it, in that instance, he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. But boy, he couldn't look more right right now about that situation. Like he gets that benefit of the doubt now when you have other guys looking at this saying, wait a second, I'm going to tie my future to that guy? No, he can't get me the ball. It's not going to happen. Well, yeah, and Odell gets the benefit of the doubt because he's played for three franchises during his NFL career, and only one of them has been functional. And, oh, by the way, he won a championship with them and was a big part of that. So, I mean, like if you look back on it now in hindsight, maybe Odell wasn't the problem in Cleveland. Maybe it really was on Baker Mayfield. Yep. Jarvis Landry saying that he's willing to go back now that Baker's not going to be the quarterback on a new deal in Cleveland after they cut him a few months ago. Like, th- th- that speaks volumes about Baker Mayfield's sports character. And quite frankly, it's an indictment on who he is as a player and potentially as a teammate. So I, I just I, – I, I, I look at this situation right now. If I'm an NFL team and, and I have a culture that's fragile, if I'm a, a coach that's trying to establish a program and have sustained success, I would be reticent to bring in a guy like Baker Mayfield. It just doesn't seem like it makes sense. And if you're the Carolina Panthers with Matt Rule on the hot seat – you want to bring in another reclamation project from the 2018 quarterback draft class? Help me understand that one, Carlin. Uh, no. 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 And I would not want to bring him in at this point. And, Chris, admittedly, I have gone basically 180 degrees in the span of about a month on Baker in that I still thought he could help somebody win. But when you look at just the complete lack of self-awareness of the situation that Baker has. Like, what do we always see from the players who have a bumpy road in the first couple of years in their career, but then they're able to turn it around? They're able to turn it around when somebody is in their ear that actually knows what they're talking about and is not telling them how great they are all the time. The person who is there to help them realize, hey, you need to stop pointing the finger and look at what you need to be doing differently. Baker doesn't have that guy right now because there has been no sign of maturation. I thought maybe at one point we would see something, but he continues to just uh, continue to put himself in in a situation where these guys don't want to play with him. And it's well, not hold just... On, Carl, hold on, Carl, and I'll say this. We, we did see something. Two years ago, Baker Mayfield played a heck of a second half of the season, and went into Pittsburgh in a playoff game and boat raced the Steelers. Well, That, it, that was something. He, he part, showed part us that something was... from an on-the-field perspective. But think about how bad he had to be as a leader in the locker room to make all of his teammates forget about that. Well, that's my point. Like, he played better in a season like that, but everything else, like, didn't win. That didn't win them back. That, that should be able to win you back, and it didn't win them back. Yeah, right? and I guess I guess, and, and that's my point. Like that—that's yeah. how bad it has to be. That's how polarizing, how divisive he is as a leader. And 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 I don't know how you have long-term success as an NFL franchise when you have that guy under center. You got to keep in mind, man. Quarterback is a leadership position by nature, and to have somebody that's selfish and somebody that lacks accountability and always blames others for the reasons why they can't have success. That, that's not a formula for success in the NFL, period. And so that's why when it comes to landing spots for Baker Mayfield, it doesn't feel like there are a lot of teams that are knocking down Cleveland's door in order to trade for him because this doesn't feel like a guy 
that is going to be your long-term solution at quarterback. And if he's not the long-term answer, then is the juice worth the squeeze in terms of the problems, the baggage that comes along with it? Chris Carlin, Chris Canty in for Greeny on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker at Play ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Then this from Adam Schefter this morning in reference to other superstar wannabe receivers in the league or guys who are right on that doorstep of being superstar receivers. Uh, this from Schefter, as we said, second round pick, second round picks, excuse me, include wide receivers. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, and Terry McLaurin are not expected to participate in their team's on-field, off-season programs because they want new contracts at the t- at a time this off-season when wide receiver deals have exploded, per league sources. As a team leader, M- Terry McLaurin will be reporting to the team's off-season program that opens today while his contract situation remains unresolved. Tennessee's offseason program opens today. San Francisco's on Tuesday. But this is an issue that hangs over these players, their teams, in this draft. Teams will have option to extend these players' contracts or explore trades for them. Now, remember, when he points out second-round picks, it means that these guys were on four-year deals to start. They do not have the fifth-year option that the team holds at that point. So... Of those guys, Debo, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, do you see any of those three not being able to work out a deal and ending up being on the move by next Thursday night when the draft is? Uh, Debo is going to get done. That that deal is going to get done. A.J. Brown feels like it's going to get done um, because of where the Tennessee Titans are at with with their – program building and quite frankly championship aspirations um yeah I I think all of those deals get done Carlin I really do Uh, I would be surprised that if one of those guys were moved at the draft but if they get moved at the draft that just means that they weren't able to come to an agreement with the team in terms of their value and the kind of money that they deserve The, the most complex would probably be Debo just because of his positional value but then also the risk to injury, knowing how many different ways Kyle Shanahan uses him in that offense. Because he's not just a receiver. He's a guy that they line up in the backfield as a running back. He's a guy that they put all over the place. They put him all over the formation. So he's going to take a lot more hits than those other guys. And so there has to be a little bit of concern in terms of the overall guarantees and the length of contract. So to me, that would be the most complex of the deals. But in terms of their overall value, I don't know how San Francisco moves forward without Debo Samuel. So I would anticipate that that those guys don't get moved 10 days from now when we're talking about the start of the NFL draft. Now, I find it interesting that the guy who is not uh, on that list there is D.K. Metcalf because he's the one whose name has come up the most in terms of a uh, potential trade. But it has not... uh, really been suggested at least i have not seen it anywhere unless i'm missing it that he's not going to show up with the seahawks at this point it seems like that relationship is a lot better off between team and player than maybe some of the others now if i am a wide receiver hungry team in other words if i am the new york jets or a team like that so if you're desert thirsty for a wide receiver yes got it if you are desert thirsty for a wide receiver do any of those three guys, which of those three guys do you put at the top of your list for wanting 
to go make a trade for. In other words, if you're the Jets and you're thinking about taking a wide receiver at 4 or 10, would you rather have any of those three guys instead of doing that? Uh, yeah, but I'm not trading four or ten for any of those guys. So no, that, I, let, I let understand that. But with that. all right, like, let's just put it another the 35th way: thirty-fifth pick or the thirty-eighth pick. That's a different conversation. What but if I'm I were to trading... say yeah. the the deal for Tyreek Hill that was apparently in place was those two picks you just mentioned and a third round pick? Would you trade a second and a third for any of those three guys? Yeah, I mean, I would trade a second and a third for any one of those three guys, but the guy that would be at the top of my list for where the Jets are at is A.J. Brown. I love the idea of a receiver that has that kind of catch radius, and to me, that's his dominant trait. For a quarterback that has a big arm that can push the ball down the field, there could be a lot of jump ball situations that A.J. Brown can help Zach Wilson win. So I love the fit, especially when you already have a speedy guy in Elijah Moore. You've got some guys – that can do some special things with catch-and-run opportunities. I love A.J. Brown in terms of his ability to come down with contested catches. And so, to me, that would be a direction that I would love to go. And because you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, Carlin, you can give the guy the kind of contract that you're looking for. And then overall, look at the draft capital that the New York Jets have. They have four picks in the top 38. They've got nine picks overall. So they do have the capital to go out and make a move for receiver And to me, I would much rather go after a proven commodity, also a guy that can dictate front and coverage, rather than taking a risk on one of these receivers at the top of the draft and potentially being wrong. Agreed. And I don't need two of my top targets to be in their first and second years, respectively. I I want, even though I have Corey Davis, I would like to have a game breaking type of guy like you just mentioned. And if you gave me the choice, I am with you on Brown 100%. It's Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, in for Greeny on ESPN Radio. What's on your mind is brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. And what's on our mind, the NBA game ones that we saw over the weekend. So it's time for, you know, some Greeny takes, as it were. Greeny's takes. Except it's not Greeny, it's us. So deal with that. Chris, your hot take couple of them that you got out of the weekend. Give me the first one. Go. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are the team to beat, period. I mean, when you look at what they did, they had 33 assists on 43 makes, Carlin. The way that they share the basketball, having 10 guys playing north of 13 minutes, the sheer depth that they have, it's going to be hard to compete with the different machinations, the different lineups that Steve Kerr can throw at you. And so I love the Golden State Warriors to not only make it through the Western Conference, but to actually hold up the Larry O Trophy. And I tweeted this out over the weekend. If you got Draymond Green knocking down threes as the shot clock is winding down, you might as well gift wrap the Larry O'Brien Trophy and send it to the Bay Area because there's not going to be nobody that can beat the Golden State Warriors. Not only if Draymond is as a playmaker, but if he's a shot maker, that could be a big problem for the rest of the NBA. Other hot take? I was wrong when it came to the Atlanta Hawks making it out of the play-in, Carlin. I was wrong. So I tip my cap to you. I doff my cap to you. But I was right in terms of whoever the Miami Heat would face in the first (laughs) round. It was a knife through warm butter. I mean, the game wasn't even competitive. It got to the point my dad and I were sitting on the couch, and we said, you know what? Let's turn it to the RBC heritage because that's more entertaining watching the PGA Tour golf event when you got a ton of guys stacked at 12 and 13 under rather than watching the Miami Heat get boat raced by 30 
I mean, boat raced the Atlanta Hawks by 30. I, I just, it was one of those things. I could not believe how dominant the Miami Heat looked, but that was something that I ultimately ended up expecting no matter who they faced off in the first round. Yeah, speaking of which, I would have rather watched a rerun of Below Deck, speaking of boat race, than the rest of that game. I mean, that was freaking. Good show, though. Sneaky that, good show. Uh, it, it is a good show. And it, it was freaking brutal. Greenies takes. All right, really more Carlin's takes. Here you go, two of them. Number one, Raptors are done. That may not be a hot take, but honestly, zip the bag, close the drawer. It's over. Uh, When you have the injuries that they have with Scotty Barnes and his ankle, with Gary Trent, who's not going to play tonight because he's sick, and Thaddeus Young, I just, I picked the Raptors in this series, and I hate the fact that after game one, I have to come out and say they're toast. But, Chris, they are toast. They are absolutely toast. I, this is a team that was not deep to begin with, and they cannot win this series. Number two also comes from this series, and it's that if the 76ers are really to contend in the Eastern Conference, it's going to be a lot more about Tyrese Maxey than it's going to be about James Harden. Harden distributed the basketball brilliantly, but I still, no matter what he did in terms of the assist the other day, um, I still think Maxi has got to be the guy that is not just the pure number three and plays consistently, but really steps up even a little bit further. Because if he's going to be the role player that doesn't play well on the road, that's going to kill them. If he is ready to take that next step, which I honestly believe that he is, then I think they're going to be in a very, very good position in the Eastern Conference. According to research, 90% of employers plan to make enhancing the employee experience a top priority in 2022. After all, a happy workplace, like one that allows for a flexible schedule and focuses on company culture, is key to attracting and keeping great employees. And if you need to add more employees to your team, there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter's technology finds the right candidates for your job and proactively presents them to you. You can easily review these candidates, invite your top choices to apply, try it for free for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. Uh, you've got Sixers and the Raptors in game two tonight. As I said, that series is over. Do you disagree with that? No, I don't disagree with that. We've got Nuggets Warriors. That series is over. Do you disagree with that? Clearly I, not. I don't disagree with that. And we're probably talking about both of those series go, being over in four games, no more than five. The Mavericks host the Jazz tonight. Jazz had a tough time, but they still won. Do you give the Mavericks any shot? I do. I do. The Mavs were right there without Luka Doncic, and so that's going to be a live dog. And Knicks fans will probably be excited because that means Donovan Mitchell is one <clears> step closer. No Luka Doncic tonight in Game 2 for the Mavs either, but, boy, the Knicks want to see that team before for sure. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio and see it with the video on ESPN+. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcast. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.